And there are many storms in life. Some storms we bring upon ourselves. Some storms come from other people. Some storms come from Satan. Some storms are natural. And other storms come from God. We're going to speak about a storm that came from God. And someone who found himself in that storm. What's important is how do we respond to the storms of life. You're either coming out of a storm, or you're in a storm, or you're going into a storm. Storms are realities of life. And we need to see what God's Word says about it. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. If they put it on for me, Genesis 8, 1 to 5. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the Mount of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. This is describing to us the storm that a man Noah found himself in. Wherever you are this morning, there is a God that loves you, there is a God that cares for you, and there is a God that is able to deliver you from any storm that comes upon your life. A storm of a child that has gone wayward, a storm of a young child that is a drug addict or bound by alcoholism, a storm of marital problems or financial problems, whatever storm you find yourself in this morning, there is a God who is able to deliver you from that storm. This passage of Scripture we just read begins like this, and it says, And God remembered Noah. We have to go back a couple of chapters to see exactly what this story is all about. It's right in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, chapter 6. It says, God looked upon man, those that he had created in his own image and likeness, the very people that God had a great plan and a great purpose for. He looked upon them and he saw that their hearts were set to do wicked things continually. Their hearts were far from him. Their hearts were in absolute rebellion. They were breaking every law of God and they had no respect for him. And as God looks at his creation, the Bible says he repented that he had made man. And God makes a decision and that decision, he was going to wipe man all from the face of the earth and all the animals as well. He was going to pour out his judgment and his wrath upon a nation and upon a people whose hearts were set to do evil continually. And as God looks upon man, he finds one man who was righteous. One man who walked with God. Out of those Thousands and thousands of people, there was only one man who walked with God, and his name was Noah. The Bible says Noah found favor with God. And God called Noah and said, Noah, I want, to, want you to build an ark. 
I'm going to judge these people. I'm going to pour out my wrath upon this wickedness that I see before my eyes. And I want you to build this ark according to the plan that I give you. And Noah begins to build the ark, and God says to him, I want you to bring two of all animals into the ark, of every kind, two. And then I want you to take seven of clean animals and bring seven of each one into the ark. Now, what does it mean when it speaks about a clean animal? It means those animals that were specifically bred to offer up on the altars of Israel. They were special animals. And they were the only ones that were allowed to be offered up as a sacrifice. And God says, of those you bring seven of every kind onto the ark. And so you can imagine he has Noah uh, in, in, the, in a state, uh, a place where people are absolutely rebellious. And he's building an ark and they're looking at him and they're asking him, what are you doing? And he's telling them that God's judgment is coming and God wants him to build an ark and there's going to be safety on the ark. You can imagine how the people walked past him and criticized him and laughed at him and thought that there was something wrong upstairs. There's something wrong with this old man building an ark. And they continued in their rebellion while Noah was faithfully obeying the word of God and building the ark. Now, I don't know who helped him, but nonetheless, he built this massive ark and was able to uh, have two of every kind of animal on board. And for years, he, he builds this ark, and people criticize him. The Bible says, for over a hundred years, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Can you imagine a hundred years? He's preaching to people and telling them and warning them that God's judgment was going to come upon them. They need to repent of their sins. They need to return from their wicked ways and turn to the only true and living God. But nobody listened to him. Can you imagine if a preacher preached today and nobody was saved, not one person responded? You would say that man uh, is not called of God. You would say that man is unsuccessful. But that's not the case with Noah. He was in the perfect will of God. And yet for all those years that he preaches and shares and tells people about God's judgment, no one responds. What does it tell us? It doesn't tell us anything bad about the preacher, but it tells us about the people. That their hearts were so wicked they would not respond to the message of righteousness. And nowhere offered anyone to come onto that ark and be safe from the judgment that was to come. Now, I don't want to discourage you this morning, but I want to tell you there's another judgment day coming. The same God who judged the people in those days will judge sometime in the future. But God is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And God always gives a warning before He unleashes His judgment. God will never catch us unexpectedly. He will let us know that He's displeased. He will let us know that His judgment was going to come. And here Noah, all those years, no one responds. God opens up the heavens. The Bible says that Deep breaks open and it begins to flood. And Noah and his family and the animals are taken up in the flood on a boat. Now if you go to Matthew chapter 24 in the New Testament, you'll find that the disciples were with Jesus one day. And they said to Jesus told them, he said, I've got to go back to my father's house. But I'm coming back again because I'm coming for you. I'm coming for my church. And so the disciples say, when will this be? And the Lord Jesus begins to give them 
the witnesses, he begins to give them signs of the time. He says, when you see these signs, know that my return is at hand. It will do you good as a child of God to read Matthew 24 so that you can see the signs because God is giving us a clear-cut warning that judgment day is going to come. We cannot continue with our rebellion against God and murdering babies and doing all kinds of wickedness in the sight of a living, loving God and think that He will not unleash His judgment. Judgment day will come. Every rebellion, every wicked person that refuses to surrender to Christ will one day stand before Him and give an account of themselves. And so as you read Matthew 24, the disciples say, what will be the sign? And one of the signs He gives them, He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. A sign points to something. And those signs in Matthew 24 point to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the blessed hope of the church it says as it was in the days of Noah in other words when you see the same things happening that you saw in the days of Noah know that my coming is at hand and when you read in the book of Genesis in the days of Noah when God chose this man uh, to build the ark you will find there were two things that were standing out they were corruption and violence when God looked upon it and He saw all the corruption and all the violence, and he, he repented that He had created man. And isn't that what's happening in our world today? Have we not become a corrupt society? Wherever you go, there's corruption in every sector of, of society. There's even corruption in the so-called church today. People have no longer have respect for God. People don't care what they do in the sight of God. We have the highest rate of, of, of violence in the world, one of, in, in some parts of the world today. Uh, violence is so rampant. People don't have respect for the human life anymore. Just this week, there were two policemen sitting in the restaurant eating, and the man walks in and he shoots them, kills them. And it's not just a, an isolated case. It's happening all the time. Look around you and see all the violence in our society. We see it in the universities. We see it all around the world. There is violence. Mil millions of people are being wiped out by dictators. They have no respect for human life. It's a violent society. South Africa, the country I come from, has got one of the highest murder rates in the world. And by the way, they've got one of the strictest gun laws in the world. And so there's violence everywhere. The signs are there. There's corruption. Look at it. Just not so many years ago, you can take a person's word and you didn't have to have 10 sheets of paper to sign a contract. You could trust the man by his word. Today, you have to sign contract after contract after contract, and then you still get done in. <laughs> corruption on every hand is a sign. It's not now that we say, oh, uh, what are we going to do? No, it's just a sign. It is a sign that Jesus is coming back. It is a sign that God is going to judge. And this is the opportunity. There is a greater ark than the ark that Noah built. And that, that ark is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And all those that will flee to Him will be safe from the judgment that is to come. Noah and his family were safe in the ark. When you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says Christ in us and we are in Christ. We're in a place of safety when the storms come. And so here we find Noah in the ark with all the animals and his family. And, and, and in this 
terrible, terrible storm. Now I want you to notice a few things because when you are in a storm or when you experience a storm, how do you respond to that storm? What do you do when God seems to be silent? When things are falling apart around you and, and you're overwhelmed by the storms of life, what do you do? How do you respond? I want to give you four ways this morning how you can respond to any storm that will ever come your way. The first thing is don't give up. Don't give up. Noah, the Bible says Noah was in that storm uh, for 150 days. For five months he was in that storm, in that ark, and never heard a word from God. God seemed to be silent. It seems that Noah was in this ark, and he might have thought to himself, what's going on? It's God that put me in this place. It is God that caused me to build this ark, and now he doesn't even speak to me. For five months I've been in this situation. Where is God? Many times you're in a storm and you're being overwhelmed and people pray for you and you pray for yourself and you respond and you come down to the altar and you're praying for God to help you, to speak to you. You're in a terrible storm and you don't know what to do and God seems silent. God seems silent. He's not answering. He's not speaking to you. But you've got to know this morning that God has not forgotten you. The Bible says there very clearly, God remembered Noah. Just when Noah thought God had forgotten about him, it says God remembered Noah. And so here he was in this terrible storm. What do we do? We just got to have to continue to stay in God's will, no matter how bad the storm is. Don't ever give up, because God will come through. You see, it was in due time, suddenly God responded and God brought a wind, and that wind uh, caused the flood to recede. Have you ever thought about it? Everywhere where there was water, but God brings in a wind, and that wind causes the water to recede. Where did it go? Everywhere there was water, where did that water go? God performed a miracle right there and then. And the boat comes and lands upon the Mount of Ararat. God brings Noah safely to that place. You see, in a storm, we must never ever give up. I thank God this morning that I have a brother and brother-in-law and a sister. My brother-in-law's passed and gone on, uh, who never gave up on me. When I was 14 years old, my mom and dad could no longer look after me. My dad had uh, tremendous problems and issues, and I had to go and live with my sister. And already at the age of 14, I'd been drinking. I was a teenage alcoholic. And I brought a storm into their lives. They were Christians. They were committed. They loved the Lord. They had their own family. And yet I came into that family, and I just created a storm with my rebellion and the way that I lived. Drinking and fighting and all those terrible things. And I can remember just about every day they would say to me, we're praying for you. And I used to get mad, I used to get upset that they said that to me. But at the age of 26, that was probably 10 years later, all that time they'd been praying, they never gave up. They could have given up on me. They could have said, we want nothing to do with you. We want you to leave this house and go. They never gave up on me and prayed for me. At the age of 26, I got born again. The Holy Spirit got a hold of me and I surrendered my life to Jesus. Hallelujah. And I know it was because of them, because they never gave up. 
Even though they were in that storm that was not, they were not the source of that storm. I was the source of that storm. Nevertheless, they never gave up praying. If you're praying for somebody this morning and you're in a storm, don't give up. If you're in a storm and you're praying for yourself, don't give up. God always comes through. When I got saved, I went to a church and I got involved in a church and I became a deacon and then I became an elder in the church. And then I met uh, some young guys. I was a young guy myself. I met some young guys. They were a rock group and, and they got converted. And so they started singing gospel music and I became their evangelist. And we preached all over in South Africa, Zimbabwe, the kingdom of Lesotho, all over the place. We used to go and preach the gospel. And thousands and thousands of people responded to the gospel over, over several years. And then since then, I've also been in the ministry for many years, and, and I've touched many lives, and I've preached the gospel to many people, and many people have been saved uh, through the ministry and the gift that God has given me, all because of two people who would not give up. Amen. Who would not give up. And so when you're in a storm this morning... When God seems to be silent, don't give up. Because in silence, God works all the time. Amen? Secondly, you need to be perceptive. You need to be perceptive. Because it says here, after waiting another 40 days, Noah sent out the raven. So the, the ark lands on Mount Ararat. And now, uh, 40 days later, he doesn't just get out the boat. 40 days later, he sends out a, a raven. A raven is a scavenger. And so a raven would, would sit on, on, on dead animals and things. And this raven keeps on coming back. And then finally, it does not return. And so he knows that the water receded, but he's still observant. He's still perceptive. And what he does then, he takes a dove. And he lets the dove go. Dove comes back. No place for it to put its feet on. After seven days, he lets the dove go again. And the dove flies away and Noah waits and the dove comes back and he has an olive leaf in his beak. An olive leaf in his beak. Did you know that the dove with the olive leaf has always been the sign of peace? It was God sending a message to Noah that the storm is over. There's going to be peace now. There's going to be a new beginning. There's going to be a new start for you. The storm is over. My judgment has passed by. And if you are perceptive in the storm and you don't look at the storm and be overwhelmed by the storm, God will speak to you. And God will speak to him. I've been through many storms myself, and sometimes I, I've made a mess of it, but at times God has come through and he has spoken. He, he can speak to you in many ways. Don't limit God. Don't put God in a box and say, oh God, you can only speak one way. He can speak many ways. He can speak through a friend, through a phone call, through a text, through preaching, through prophecy through vision, through dreams. God can speak to you, but you need to be sensitive. You need to be perceptive. Even though the storm is dark, even though the storm is violent, even though you, you're in a difficult place, you need to be alert. You need to be sensitive. You need to know that God wants to speak to you. He wants to let you know that He loves you and that He will bring you through that storm. Noah did not disembark until... He removed 
the covering from the ark and saw that the ground was dry. You know, that ark rapidly deteriorated. We, we often read that people have now found uh, some part of the ark. They'll never find any part of the ark. The Bible tells us in the, in the book of Genesis when, uh, in fact, in Deuteronomy, when uh, Mo Moses came to the promised land, he was not allowed to enter because of the disobedience of the people. It says Moses died and God buried him. No one knows where God buried Moses. And I believe that the ark also deteriorated, and no one will ever find it. You know why? If they find the ark, they'll build a shrine. If they found the grave of Moses, they will build a shrine. When you go to Israel, you'll see every little thing, they build a shrine. God is not interested in shrines. God is not interested in, 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 in arcs and graves and stuff. It is amazing when you read today about some Christians going to the grave of some well-known uh, previous preacher and trying to get some kind of an anointing and a blessing. The grave is, is a dead place. It's a place of death. It's not a place of anointing. And God doesn't want us to get involved with these things. God wants us to seek Him and Him alone. And so secondly, when you're in that storm, be perceptive. The third thing you have to do is you have to be patient. Look what the psalmist says. He says, the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. Habakkuk was complaining. He said, God, look at the people. Look what they're doing. And God said, you have to wait. You have to wait. We have to be patient. Noah didn't rush out of that ark, but he waited for God's directions. And then on the 27 days of the second month, or a year and 10 days after he entered the ark, God said to Noah, Noah, you can now come out. You can come out. Come out of the storm. Come out of the ark. It's a time for a new beginning. And God gives him the same commandment he gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, now go and multiply and replenish the earth. I don't know how long you must stay in the, in the storm. I don't know how long you're going to be in the storm, but one thing I do know, that the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Yea, them that wait upon the Lord. We have to learn to wait upon God. We need to trust Him. That the storm that you're going through will end. And the amazing thing about God, when He ends the storm, He ends it with a miracle. When He sends a wind and the water recedes and no one knows where it went, it was a miracle. And I want to tell you, when God brings you through that storm, He's going to perform a miracle in your life. He's a miracle-working God. And the days of miracles have not ceased. Amen. And so the third thing in the storm... Be patient. And then one more point concerning the storm. We need to praise God when the storm is over. You know, the first thing that Noah did was he built an altar and offered up a sacrifice unto God. You see, that's what the clean animals were for. Because if God only allowed him to have two of every kind, and he came out of the ark and he took uh, some of those animals, how would those animals be able to multiply? They would never because it takes two to make more. 
But he said, take seven of the clean animals. Right in the beginning. Those that are offered up to sacrifices so that you will have animals to offer up sacrifice before me. And so Noah offers up the sacrifice to the Lord. It was a great offering because uh, he could have said, well, I don't think I'm going to use these animals because what's going to happen in the future? But Noah knows and knew the God who brought him through the storm will also take care of the future. You see, when you come out of that storm, uh, you might, the future might not look so good. But let me tell you, the God who has protected you in the storm, the God who has spoken to you in the storm, the God who brings you through the storm will also take care of the future. I must be honest this morning that many times God has performed a miracle and broken through in a miraculous way for me and, and brought me out of a storm that I've forgotten to say, Thank you, Lord. Just taking it for granted and say, wow, how nice it is to be out of the storm. And we forget to give praise to the Lord. And I want you to notice it's called a sacrifice of praise. There are many of us today, we come to church and we say, you know what, I, 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 I don't feel so good today. I'm going through something and, and, I, and I just can't praise the Lord. You don't understand what I'm going through. No, I do understand. That's why it's called a sacrifice. It's called a sacrifice because it doesn't matter how I feel and what I'm going through, the praises of the Lord should always be on my lip. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. Only when we come before this living God with praise will we have a revelation of who He is. We're a little bit confused with worship. We don't know the difference between singing and praise and worship. But the psalmist says we enter the gates with thanksgiving. That's the entrance. And then we come before Him with praise, and then He reveals Himself to us, and the response to that revelation is through worship. He says, those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. And so, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what storm you're experiencing. But when you come through, don't forget to praise Him. To praise Him. You know what God then did? He smelled that sweet-smelling aroma from the altars that Noah offered up the sacrifice. You know the Bible says our praises and our worship is like a sweet-smelling savor unto the nostrils of God. You may be a little insignificant person this morning. You may think that. You may think I'm a nobody. But I want to tell you, when you worship God and you praise Him from the bottom of your heart, it's like the best kind of sacrifice that has been offered up to Him. And it comes before His nostrils like a sweet-smelling savor. Thank God. We don't offer up dead sacrifices. We offer up living sacrifices, which is the praises of our lips. And I want you to know then God made a promise that He will never, ever destroy the earth again by water. Never again. Noah came through the storm because of a loving God. Where are you this morning? Will you take note of those four points we shared? You can know how to respond to the storms of life. God is a good God. Maybe you're here this morning 
and you have never responded, never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you there was someone else that went through a terrible storm for you. His name is Jesus. When he was crucified on the cross, he was stripped naked, he was beaten, he was mocked. And he was in the worst storm of all. The storm of creation sin. That on that cross he had to cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that moment the father could not look at the storm of sin that was upon his son. But Jesus died. Experienced that storm. So that you and I, who go through the storms of sin, can be forgiven. Can be set free can become the righteousness of God in Him. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we who are sinners may become the righteousness of God in Him.